Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. they got a talented group of players, no doubt. And I think they're kind of an ascending football team. And I think it's a team that, um, you know, they're... They're a very dangerous football team. They're a great, uh, very aggressive defense. They play fast, fly to the ball. Um, a, a great front seven linebackers, great DBs, a great safety. So um, another great challenge for us as an offense that we're ready to attack. Well, it's tough because it keeps you honest. Anybody can throw like a pro quarterback and run like a running back. And, you know, he has elusiveness as well, and he's very bright, and he's very tough to bring down. So if you try to attack him too much, he's going to hurt you down the field. And if you don't attack him enough, he's going to hurt you with his legs. Week six is upon us. It's Pro Football Talk Live here on Peacock for the next two hours. You got your hair right there, Chris? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. You're yeah, ready? I'm all right. Good. Got a new haircut yesterday. You know, kept it fresh. I'm like, I'm like, you know, like when you hustled in this, you know, in the morning, and I kind of was walking fast in here. Like, I feel like I'm like a little hot. Like I almost broke out in a sweat. So I'm trying to like cool off here and and not sweat on the TV show. <laughs> Those out there who watch PFTPM will know that from time to time, I end up sweating. On the afternoon show, because I like to work out late oh, afternoon, right? take a shower, and sometimes, as George Costanza once learned when he was suspected of stealing equipment and other materials from the Yankees because he was sweating, <laughs> That's right. he was sweating because his shower didn't take. So right. every once in a while, that happens. the shower doesn't take. And yeah. Yesterday was one of those days. Oh, so, I, isn't that the worst? Uh, and then you feel uncomfortable, and you're just like, oh, man, what do I look like on camera? And it just you're like... Your clothes are sticking to your skin. It's it's the worst feeling. I I hate that. And you feel like that you look like Albert Brooks yes. in broadcast news when he finally got a chance to host the evening news, one of the all-time great scenes, in my opinion, in the past 40 years of American filmmaking. But just 
the 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 awkwardness and the anxiety oozes through, and so does the sweat, and we try to avoid that. So I know where you're coming from. Good morning to everybody out there watching the program on Peacock on NBCSN for the 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern rear. Every once in a while, I'll have someone send me a semi-hostile email saying, you're really not PFT Live when you're on NBCSN. Well, no, we admit that. It's the rear. Of course it's not <laughs> right. live if it's the rear. We say it up front. We're not trying to fool anyone into thinking. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Live for right. two hours on Peacock right. and then live for two hours on NBCSN. No, right. it's a show that's on from 7 to 9 on Peacock, 9 to 11 on NBCSN. And we're definitely not live when you're listening on the podcast. Fortunately, I have yet to get any complaints that we're actually not live while they're listening to the podcast that hasn't happened yet but it could happen at any time and i think the folks who enjoy the program on sky sports are astute enough to realize that it's definitely not live when they see it i think we're still on in prime time there i haven't heard recently i think it's seven o'clock yeah, time. Right. whatever it is hello to everyone out there and eleanor if you're up and it's seven o'clock it's almost your bedtime and the man with the small head says hello well it's funny you're bringing that up because i got my haircut yesterday and last night as we were sitting around just watching tv with the family my little boy you know they're like oh hey you got your haircut huh dad oh hello he's like oh the that girl might not think you got a big head tomorrow on TV. Guy, <laughs> we all laughed. So that was a pretty funny moment. But yeah, I don't know if it does any justice to my head. Uh, get me getting a haircut. As we know, it's it's rather large. I think you buried the lead there, based upon the way that you spoke. It sounds like your son has gone through puberty and now talks just like your dad Phil. <laughs> I don't know when that. He's happened. got a little of like he like wiggles his head when he talks and does that, but uh, he he does not talk like Big Phil. His name is Phil, but he doesn't talk like Big Phil yet. Not yet, not yet. Not yet. Coming. Right. How old is he? Is he eleven? He's eleven. Yes, eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Get ready. Yeah, yeah. he's. Uh, ready. He'll he's, be sounding like Big Phil soon. He's struggling right now, you know, because he's happy for Josh Allen, but he's very, very disappointed and concerned with you know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's that really hurts him. That's still his his guy, his buddy. So he just can't get over that they're two and three and what's going on. So uh, I'm trying to trying to talk him into don't panic yet. You know, don't panic quite yet. So basically, he's going through that thing that happens every year for the kids that that exercise their prerogative to have a new team every year. He's emotionally detaching from one and latching I, onto I, another. I, I By don't Thanksgiving, know. he'll yeah. be all over the bills. Right. Well, he he's done it before where he's like made a switch for about a week or two where it's like, oh, he'll wear his Josh Allen jersey and his Josh Allen hoodie, but then... It always goes back to Mahomes. Like he can't help it. So I, I would, I got to see it to believe it before he went at least went over full time. Uh, he's, you know, he started paying attention to football really on a, a normal basis when, of course, Patrick Mahomes was having that amazing fifty year, fifty touchdown year. And it's, I think that's hard to scrub out of a, a little kid's brain. Well, there are plenty of people out there who were little kids twenty years ago and began following Tom Brady, and they now have little kids of their own and they're on their way to having grandkids because Brady is still going strong at age 44. We get to see the Buccaneers tonight. Their first short week game since this moment last year. That's right. Hopefully the thumb injury will help him count properly. I don't know, but it's a short week. It's in Philly. The Eagles coming off of a win. The Eagles, one of the teams that beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, and I'm sure he carries that grudge around until the day he dies, although there's a chance he'll outlive all of us. It should be – look, hey, 
I, I'm conditioned now to expect that every primetime game is going to be a great game because it seems like almost all of them are. Yeah. So let's just assume that the Buccaneers aren't going to blow the Dolphins off the or the Eagles off the field the way they blew the Dolphins off the field on yeah. Sunday. And let's assume it's going to be a close, great game. I can get and behind maybe that. It will be. Maybe maybe we can speak it into existence. I, I don't think it's crazy to think that. You know, again, I'm not going to sit here and try to lie to the folks and tell you I think the Eagles are going to win the football game. No, but do I think they can kind of hang around and make things interesting? And if Tampa makes a mistake or two, can the Eagles win this football game? Certainly. I mean, hey, we we know, right? Let's Like Brady, the offense, it's as good as anybody in football. It, it's unreal. It really is. The, the way he's playing, of course, the way they protect, the weapons they have outside – uh, they can really basically, I would say, they're the best passing offense in football. And I don't even know if they're statistically that, but I would think they are. Um, it, it's just hard to match up. But where I would give them a fighting chance, at least the Eagles, is, as far as this is concerned, hey, the Eagles' D is real. It is. And I know they gave up five touchdown passes to Patrick Mahomes, but they made them work for it. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of big plays. Their biggest play of the game really came on one of the last drives of the game where Patrick Mahomes threw a post route and the Eagles were kind of blitzing and in a desperate situation because they were down. So, you know, the Eagles with their great front, Mike, you know, it is, of course, Javon Hargrave, who I would say is playing defensive tackle as good or better than anybody in football right now. Fletcher Cox is still really good. They have a pass rush and they're one of those teams, Mike, again, that can kind of get after you with just their front four. And they're not a great rushing defense, but that's because they they err on, we're going to play pass defense. We're going to play two safeties back. We got a great front. Okay, you might get a run on us here and there, but they're going to err on not letting you have those big plays in the pass game. And we've seen that against some pretty good offenses. And, you know, again, Mahomes, I know, had the touchdowns, but it was all short touchdowns where they got down there, except for that last one I talked about. So I do give them a chance, Mike. Yeah, Javon Hargrave was a third-round pick in 2016 of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he signed last year with the Eagles. I don't think the Steelers would have let him get away if they'd have realized what he's become. Right. I I agree with you there. You know, that's one of those where you go, I'm not sure if I agree with this. The Steelers are in a tough spot. You know, they're loyal to their people. They got Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt, who, you know, are really good. But the problem is, yeah, they're kind of coming, you know, to that plateau, maybe starting to go down parts of their career. And, you know, if uh, the, the Steelers are top-notch organization. But I'm with you, Mike. Like, uh, I, I, that would be one where I bet they're second-guessing themselves and going, man, maybe we should have thrown that money at that young guy and had a, a real presence in the middle of the defense for more years to come uh, rather than Cam Hayward, who's still good. I'm not trying to disrespect, but it's, you know, it's coming to an end at some point, or he's on the last part of his career, that's for sure. You mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneer passing offense. Tom Brady currently leads the league with 1,767 passing yards through five games, 15 touchdown passes, and only two interceptions. He had five on Sunday against the Dolphins. No Rob Gronkowski tonight. There was some talk that maybe he'd be able to play. He's missed two games now. This will be game number three with four cracked ribs, one broken rib, and a punctured lung. I would have been surprised if he had come back quickly enough, given the short week, to play in this game. But they didn't need him on Sunday. Nine guys caught passes. The ball was spread around, and a lot of guys did pretty well because there were over 400 passing yards and yeah. five touchdown passes. So I, I, 
I wonder if the Buccaneers will try to take what the Eagles defense gives them and maybe take some steam out of the front four by running the football or whether they'll just come out and keep going no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, well, that's like the tough thing about, you know, the Bucs is, it, you know, like we saw with the New England Patriot game a few weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. Okay, you play pass defense, that's great, but they, they've shown the ability that they can be a little patient and still move you up front and be effective enough in the run game and be patient enough in the run game where – it does compromise your defense, and at some point the defensive coordinator goes, well, I mean, I just I just can't keep sitting here and let Leonard Fournette run for four and five every time they run the ball, and that's why they're a great offense. Yeah, they want to throw the ball. They got a great scheme. They got answers for everything. Of course, Brady's seen everything and is smart as hell and throwing the ball as good as we've ever seen it, and then the weapons on the outside, but... You know, that's why they are one of the best teams in football because they can really basically do whatever they want. Now, they do want to throw the ball. You're right. There's no doubt. But, you know, I, I, they have shown the ability to be patient, run the ball when they need to if you're just going to get heavy pass defense, you know, play after play after play. Yeah, look. I, it's amazing I, what they're doing care. right now. I, I don't care how good a defense is. 85 Bears that have a hard time with all the weapons that the Buccaneers have. And, you no know, it's doubt. funny because when they lost to the Rams, and nobody's going 17-0. Sorry, Cardinals. I know you're the last unbeaten team, and you can prove me wrong, and you can go 12-0 over the remainder of the season, and, and it, it's not going to happen. And once the Buccaneers had that moment of mortality against the Rams, I think we started to question, you know, are they as good as we thought? And then the week was hijacked by the Brady return to New England. Yeah. And... And, and, you know, it wasn't a uh, an easy win, and I think we still had some doubts. And then they come out on Sunday and just obliterate the Dolphins. It's like, oh, 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 here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Right. And they're, they're so much farther ahead this year of where they were last year. And yeah. it can all change in one night. And maybe it will be a close game, and maybe the Eagles will win. And I'm – Hell, I don't know. I, I That's the great thing about this season. You just look at any given game, especially a night game, and you say, yeah. I don't know. Right. But, man, they, 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 they are loaded, and they're capable of putting up 40 or 50 in every given game. Yeah, they are. There's no doubt. I mean, what they did last week, again, you, you know, you've heard me say it. I think that Miami defense is, is certainly better than it's statistically performing right now. You know, we've talked about their offense certainly affects the defense, but they learned some hard lessons in that game. I mean, I think the world of the Miami corners, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, it's just too much. It's just too much firepower. You know, they got another first rounder in there as well. I mean, they got they got playmakers in the secondary, but when you play man to man, that's the first thing. You got to be careful. You know, you can play man to man, but I think you got to pick your spots because it's just impossible to match up with Godwin Evans. You know, uh, uh, Antonio Brown and company. And then that that to me, Mike, I mean, that's where I get back to, like, the key to this game, yeah, we know the Eagles' defense has to slow them down to a degree, but I, the key to the game is Jalen Hurts in the passing game, period. I mean, that's really where I look at it. You look at the two games, you know, that we thought the Bucks might lose, right, with the Dallas Cowboys and, of course, the game they lost against the Rams. What happened is – you know, the other offenses put a lot of pressure on their team as well. And I think, you know, that's where it's going to come back to come down to, in, in my opinion. Can Jalen Hurts, they're, they have some good receivers too. We know the Buccaneers are a little undermanned in the secondary. 
And can he make a few plays and buy some time scrambling and doing that and also just really execute and be surgical and strike and make some big plays within the pocket? And if they can do that, I do think they can kind of hang in there with Tampa Bay and make this thing very interesting. How about the Philadelphia offense? Yeah. And uh, look, I'm impressed with what the Eagles did on Sunday against the Panthers because it felt like a slow suffocation by the Panthers of the Eagles. When it was 15-3 to in the first half, I think I heard you or someone else in the viewing room say, you know, the, the, the Panthers are just kicking the crap out of them. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before it's 30-3. to Well, one of the lessons is don't let a team hang around. That's right. You never know when it's going to flip. Right. And it flipped. Yeah. It flipped. And, and that may have been a moment where the Eagles kind of, you know, realize, hey, we may, maybe we have something here. Uh, do they have something there offensively? Uh, you know, they, they do have something there. It's just, can they take advantage of all that's there to be had? You know, that, that's to me, I, I still think it's a question mark. I'm not sure about the Eagles offense. You know, I think, you know, statistically, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say the Eagles offense is 14th in football, right? Right now in total yards. Hey, that's nice. I don't think they're really 14th in football on the offensive side of the ball. Hey, week one against the Falcons, sure, had a really good day. You know, the Falcons defense, certainly nothing special. They tore apart the Kansas City Chiefs, right, in the past game. All right, yes, but everybody's going to tear apart the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be that's gonna be a, a standard protocol all year long. And even within that, they lost that game 42-30. to I would sit there and watch the film and go, man, some of the field goal drives they had, they missed some slam dunk touchdowns. Wide open people in the pass game where that's, again, the big question of why I say Jalen Hurts because we've seen the 49ers game. We saw the game last weekend and the Dallas Cowboy game where defenses challenge them and can match up to a degree with some of their talent because they got talent at receiver. There's no doubt. They got a good O-line. They got three or four receivers who are really tough matchups too. I mean, the first round pick um uh, smith what, what's his first name i'm blanking on his first Devontae name smith. Devontae, Devontae smith. smith i mean you you, you got to be careful playing him one-on-one jalen rieger yeah he might have not been worth the first round pick but he's very talented uh the watkins is talented and can beat man-to-man coverage dallas goddard's a very good tight end they have the weapons but we saw performances like last week performances against the san francisco 49ers you know, the Dallas Cowboy game, the stats are good, but as we know, that game was over when they started finally throwing the ball and having some success. So to me, that's the big question mark of the of the uh, matchup tonight. Yeah. Um, it hurts. It hurts. It's just about his development. Yeah. Is he going to be the guy going forward? I really respect the way he, you know, he understands the game. He battles. He's a very good athlete. You know, and as we saw last week, you know, he understood the game and didn't make any crucial mistakes, and that allowed them to hang around, and then he made a few plays at the end of the game. But it's going to be, can he dice them up from the pocket a little bit tonight? No Antoine Winfield tonight again Ooh, for the Buccaneers. Right. And no Levante David for the Bucs. And with Antoine Winfield, look, we he had a concussion that he suffered against the Patriots, and he had a huge game against the Patriots. Yeah. Forced a fumble, had an interception. Baller. He's one of the great young defensive players in the NFL. But it's alarming that he's been out for this long after a concussion and we know how it works by now we learned this more than a decade ago once you've been diagnosed there are still some imperfections with applying the concussion label to a guy during a game but once he has it you can't get back onto the practice field 
or into a game until you've been cleared by team doctors and an independent doctor. But, you know, when it first began, when the sensitivity to concussions and return from concussions commenced in 2009-2010 timeframe, there was kind of a presumption you'd miss a game if you had a concussion. And then after a few years, we saw plenty of guys who get cleared to play the next week, like Teddy Bridgewater most recently. Right, right. Had a concussion sure. week four, was cleared week five. Now you've got Antoine Winfield Jr., concussion week four, week six still out. Yeah. It's it's alarming when it happens. It is. But, but it's a reminder that sometimes it does take time for the symptoms to clear. And when you're talking about a guy who plays a position where he's going to be in position to have no doubt concussions, right? It's just it's something to keep an eye on. A hundred percent. Yeah. We want to see him back on the field as soon as possible. We want to see all players back on the field as soon as possible after they've suffered a concussion. We want to see as few concussions as possible. And that's what the NFL has been working so diligently toward over the past 10 years uh yeah he's awesome though you're right you're right and it is concerning anything more before we close the book on thursday night's game no i you know again i mean the bucks with their passing game special i mean mike look at their look at their defensive stats you know i i know they're not kicking butt as far as pass defense right now but right now i i gotta think they're on pace to be one of the greatest run stopping defenses in the history of football and i i haven't looked this up but nobody can run on nobody. It has gotten to the point where nobody even bothers trying to run on Tampa. They just say, forget it. There's no point. And that's just an amazing aspect that, you know, I think kind of gets glossed over a little bit because there's so much other sexy stuff to talk about with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, you know, can the Eagles, who got a big offensive line, you know, provide a little bit running game? I don't know. Again, I think they're rush, They're not a real good running team at this point. They're rushing stats. Uh, Jalen Hurts is their leading rusher because, of course, when he scrambles and gets outside of the pocket, he can make some big plays. So that is an aspect of the game that, you know, maybe he can make a few things happen. But, you know, as far as scrambling, running, that's going to be hard against this Buccaneers team. Those edge guys, they're very athletic. We know the linebackers are athletic. I know Levante Davis is not there, but they're an athletic front to where it's going to be hard to scramble. Can they really get a run game going or anything like that? to keep the Bucks out of, you know, pass defense, pass defense. Let's protect against Smith and Rager and Dallas Goddard. Uh, D- Dallas Goddard. That, that'll be the uh, interesting thing to say, uh, see. But, man, that Bucks run defense, it is the real deal. The top story in the NFL continues to be the aftermath of the John Gruden resignation, which occurred on Monday night following the production of certain emails from the Washington football team investigation to the Raiders and the leak of some of those emails to both the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. On Wednesday, multiple different members of the Raiders organization met the media. Mark Davis, the owner of the team, had very little to say. We'll talk about that in a moment. It wasn't Davis who faced the microphone and the cameras and the reporters. It was general manager Mike Mayock, who clearly has emerged as the leader of the football operation post-Gruden. Here is Mayock on the question of why Mark Davis allowed John Gruden to coach the team on Sunday as these emails were becoming available to Davis and the Raiders organization. Look, I think the reality of that is that Mark Davis really is the one that was dealing with that, okay? And I think he felt like 
and I don't want to speak for Mark, but there was an awful lot of due diligence that had to go on on his side of this. Okay. All I knew that is a bombshell had dropped. Um, the players talked about it. We talked about it with the players. John dealt with it. And then, of course, I didn't even know where, you know, again, Mark was dealing with all the email stuff. Uh, we were trying to prepare for a football game. Um, and then when we came out of the game and the rest of it came out, I think Mark was already in the middle of his due diligence. I mean, I don't think – I think he was trying to figure it all out. And, again, I, I know what the guy stands for, and I think he was trying to do the right thing. And, you know, when you consider the period of time that this happened in, yeah, from Friday late afternoon to Monday night, and you have a football game in between, the league, I think – and uh, you know, others may disagree with me, and Chris, I know we talked about it yesterday. I think that the league wanted Gruden out, and I think the league tried to keep throwing emails onto the pile until Mark Davis would decide to either fire John Gruden or ask for his resignation, and someone was going to keep leaking portions of those emails until the public pressure became such that it was untenable for Gruden to resume or to, to continue and he would resign or be fired. But someone must have thought Davis isn't moving quickly enough. And I frankly think that Davis would have tried to find a way to weather the storm, that Davis was not going to fire John Gruden for similar reasons to why Gruden wasn't on the hot seat last year when he should have been. This is his buddy, Davis and Gruden were close. No doubt. And Davis was not going to fire him. Yeah. Davis was going to say, hey, you know, we see this happen in plenty of other spots. You keep your head low and your mouth shut, and, and we're going to stay together right, here. Right. We've been through a lot. We're going to stay together. You're my coach. You're my guy. And the NFL was going to keep, you know, like 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 uh, bills out of a bankroll. They were going to keep pulling out one after another of these emails until Gruden either left or Davis fired him. And uh, I think that's what was going on over the weekend. There may have been some due diligence going on, but I also think there was an effort underway to figure out how they could move forward despite these emails coming out. I, I would think so. I mean, certainly, like, I, I don't know, John Gruden in his post-game press conference didn't seem like he thought he wouldn't, wouldn't be back the next day, right? I mean, I, I kind of tend to agree with you, Mike. I mean, I, I'm with you in that aspect. Uh, I, you know, not that we know, but we do know that – Mark Dave, I mean Gruden was Mark Davis's baby. Yeah, there there's a special connection and relationship there. You know, he 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 wanted John Gruden to bring back the Raiders, you know, from the glory days of the early 2000s, late 90s when Gruden was, you know, of course, the young offensive wizard and Chucky and and it brought the Raiders back onto the national scene once again for 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 you know, from a long long time before that. So, uh, I do I, I'm with you. I I kind of got the same feeling that Mark Davis was kind of hoping that, you know, yeah, they could weather the storm and, you know, John Gruden would still be able to be the head coach. And then I, I feel like even, again, I, I didn't see him say this, but his quote yesterday seemed like a guy that was a hair bitter. Oh, yes. Okay. We're ready for that. Okay. I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. Yeah, go ahead. Paul Gutierrez of ESPN.com. And right. this wasn't a situation where Davis was in a scrum of reporters and answering questions or at a podium. To one reporter, he said, I have no comment. And, of course, like so many do when they initially say they have no comment, they, they have, have another a comment. comment. <laughs> he said after that, two sentences, ask the NFL, they have all the answers. Yeah. And in that, in that, 
I interpret a guy who is upset. Yes, me that too. That he was forced to part ways with his coach. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. And that also tells me that Davis believes that the NFL is responsible for these materials getting out. You know, some have said, well, maybe it was the Raiders. Maybe this was their way to get out from under his contract. They didn't want to get out from under his contract. They wanted John Gruden. And the fact that they put this in motion on a Friday, they leaked one. And when I say they, I continue to believe the NFL did it. And I know that they have on the record denied it. That's okay. I don't believe it. They leaked it on Friday. They waited for Davis because the other materials were given to Davis. It's like, here's your here's your package of materials. Yeah. Oh, by the way, one of these happened to fall out right. and go uh, to right. the inbox of the Wall Street Journal. They were hoping that Davis and Gruden would recognize what was coming. And that's, the, again, of all the stupid things Gruden did, the stupidest was to hunker down and think he could weather this when he knew what else was coming. They already had the materials, and then more materials were given to the Raiders on Monday, and he still didn't relent. That's when the New York Times gets their packet on Monday night yeah, and it right. all falls apart. It's like, guys, did you not know how this was going to play out? Yeah, did you obviously. not have that little ounce of foresight? But regardless, I could see Gruden and Davis coming together and getting themselves both worked up into a frenzy of, I can't believe these people are doing this. I can't believe they're selectively taking emails from a supposedly secret investigation and trying to bring me down, I could see both of them kind of in an echo chamber going back and forth and working themselves up into a frenzy where they're going to fight, and then the New York Times story drops, and it's like, you know, they they, they dropped the, 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 the bomb on us, and that's it. We got no choice at this point. Yeah, no choice. I mean, they had no choice, period. No choice. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I, it, I, I, I agree with you, Mike. I mean, that's how it seems seems to me, too. That's kind of what would be my take. But, like, no choice. I mean, if you listen to the rest of the things Mike Mayock was saying in that press conference yesterday, people on that team are hurt. They're hurt. The guy that was supposed to be their leader and the guy that's supposed to bring everybody together for one common goal was not being a good leader behind the scenes and obviously had some private logic that is just messed up, period. And then let alone if – there's a faction of the locker room of the organization that doesn't love John Gruden anyways, and you kind of hear rumors of that from time to time. It's just like a double whammy. Like what, what I don't know like what Mark Davis could have been thinking as, as it was going on, you know, throughout the weekend. And and I mean I know what he was thinking. He's he likes John Gruden. He was trying to be loyal to him. He feels like he was bringing him back to, you know, the promised land once again. So I understand that. And it is tough, especially when you have a relationship with a guy for a long long time. I get that. It is tough. You know, even when you know they've done wrong, you know, you're, you're friends with the guy, you see the good in the guy and you want to make it work. Wait, I don't, he's not that bad, but that, you know, you got guys yesterday. It sounds like they didn't want to practice. Carl Nassib. How do you think he feels? He got a day off yesterday because he's still like, what the hell? So, I mean, there was no choice, but to do this in the end game. And you could see Mike Mayock. I mean, he's being, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists talking to these guys right now. And, uh, you know, I thought he did. Mike Mayock did a phenomenal job in the press conference yesterday, kind of laying it all out for everybody. 
they are lucky to have Mike Mayock right now. Definitely. The irony is John Gruden was ready to throw him overboard last year as a scapegoat for why they were 19 and 29 through three seasons. And Mayock was the guy who was going to be gone this year if they didn't make the playoffs. Mayock emerges as the voice of reason, the voice of experience, the adult in the room who faces the reporters and explains in a very reasonable and responsible way where things stand. And Mayock, not a Gruden guy in the classic sense. One of the reasons why Mayock was so close to being thrown overboard last year and this year. Miles Simmons and I went back and forth a little bit yesterday on PFTPM about whether or not Davis had a responsibility to be the one who speaks publicly. And, you know, yeah. I, I hey, Mark Davis is a guy that many think has little or no self-awareness based upon his haircut, frankly. I mean, let's put it out there. It was discussed openly in an HBO profile they did of Mark Davis a few weeks ago. But he had enough self-awareness to know I'm not the guy to stand up here and be the one. I've got a guy in Mike Mayock who is a professional broadcaster who will know how to say the right things, speak from the heart, and do it in a persuasive way. And I think if Davis had been the one to speak, it could have gone horribly badly for him yeah. and for the organization because I think Davis is probably still upset because even though what Gruden did was abhorrent, and every other adjective the NFL articulated in its initial statement last Friday. On the other hand, you got Mark Davis, who I think is pissed off right now, sorry, Liverpool, because someone made him do something he didn't want to do. This is my business, yeah. and you're forcing me to do something I don't want to do. How dare you do that? Let me decide. Let me decide whether or not I'm going to have an issue with my sponsors and my fan base and my customers. Who are you to tell me what to do? And who are you to take the supposedly – this is why – a lot of people are upset about this, even though Gruden was wrong. Who is the NFL to play God here with people's careers? Yeah, I understand that. And say, that. we've got the secret files right. that are only secret until we want to use a few of them to take out one of our enemies. So I think if Davis had been in a position where he was speaking extemporaneously like we do every day, he probably would have said some stuff. And it was probably good for him, not good for us, because it would have been damn compelling, but good for him to not be the one to speak. I, I would agree with you there. You know, you know, obviously, even by that comment right there, he's, you know, he's still emotional about it. At least that's how it reads. Ask the NFL. They got all the answers. You know, yeah, he, it sounds like a guy that's, yeah, emotional, mad. You know, yeah, they took his guy away from him. Mike Mayock is, is the perfect guy, though, for the situation. I mean, Mike, Mike, Mike Mayock is old school. You know, anybody that's ever been around him or talked to him, I mean, he's he's real. He's going to say it how it is. You know, he treats people the right way with dignity, dignity and respect. So, uh, yeah, he, he was the right guy to put out there. And I thought he did a really good job yesterday. And, man, what a tough situation he's in right now. You know, it's kind of just trying to, you know, piece this back together. They are playing a football game this week. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a team that, of course, of course, this is dominating the locker room conversation right now, and they're distracted. How could they not be? Right, but but Chris, he is in a tough situation. He is. He's handling it well, and I would submit to you yeah. that he's in a better situation than he was a week ago because— Well, career-wise. You had heard— Right. Well, career-wise, yeah. because—and yeah. and also, also— he doesn't have to deal with Gruden anymore. Sure. And you had heard it and I had heard it, how those two were butting heads. And yep. Mayock has tried in the past to explain it away as a positive, And this is what happens. And you have different opinions. Look, Mayock has had to deal with the brunt 
of Gruden for the past two or three years. And Mayock is the one who gets blamed for all these draft picks that don't work out. Do you really think these are guys that Mayock is locking on to or that these are guys that Gruden, who wanted to draft Johnny Manziel to every team in the NFL in 2014 when he was working for ESPN. Do you think these are guys Gruden wants and Gruden's exercising the fact that he runs the show and Mayock works for him? And Mayock has lived under Gruden's thumb for three years. This is, even with with everything about this is unfortunate in what happened, in the way Gruden conducted himself. But from Mike Mayock's perspective... Yeah, yeah, I hear you. He comes out of this in a much better spot because he doesn't have to deal with John Gruden Unleading, unloading on him every day the way he used to unload on you at practice. Yeah, right. No, I, I you're, you're right. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yes, I mean, I, know, I don't, I don't know if we've said it on air or not. I think we've made some references that, that we've heard that you know the relationship was definitely strained to a degree. But yeah, you and I have heard a lot of rumors, and I think they go on beyond strained a little bit. The rumors we've heard. So between that, um, and and you know your your assessment on. The draft picks and and the free agent signings and everything there, yeah. I mean, you're right there too. There's no doubt. I mean, John Gruden has final say, final control. So they are his draft picks. It's just like other coaches who you know got GMs or whatever. You know, you look at you know Bill Belichick had Nick Casario. No, Bill Belichick was making the picks. You know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. No, Kyle Shanahan makes the picks. That's him. He's the he gets the last call. And more times than not, yeah, the GM and a great GM and a relationship like this, hey, we like these guys, we like these guys, okay, you know, and they, they whittle it down to, oh, we need a tackle, here's the three I like, or here's the three receivers I like, and then, you know, the head coach in these type of, you know, uh, situations, he is the guy that's going to make the final say and go, oh, no, no, I want Henry Ruggs, or, you know, I want Clellan Farrell. Uh, I mean that that's that is it, and and Mike Mayock has taken a little bit of uh, you know a beating about some of those picks, and and I think you're right. It, it is John Gruden who's ultimately the one that gives the final say and says, okay, let's do it. And the way it was explained yesterday, Gruden had 51 percent control, and Mayock had 49 previously. Now Mayock has 51. Rich Bisaccia, the interim head coach, has 49. That. That makes it sound like it's a tug of war and one guy pulls the flag just a little bit. No, if you've got 51, you've got 100. If you had to, the Pretty 49 much. doesn't matter. Right. If you've got that extra 1%, you are the guy who decides what happens in every instance. It's not, well, 49% of the time. The other guy gets to decide, and 51% of the time I do. No, in every decision, you are the rock, and the other guy is the scissors. I had to stop and think (laughs) which one rock beats. You are not the paper. You are the rock, and they are the scissors, and that's how it works in every single decision. First round, seventh round, every round in between, free agents, high-profile street free agents, you make the call. If there's any disagreement, you get your way, and that's how it used to be for Gruden, and that's how it is now for Mayock. You mentioned Carl Nassib taking a personal day yesterday. Here's Mayock explaining Nassib's situation in relation to the black players on the team who may have, you know, some – some stuff to kind of come to terms with after seeing what Gruden said, too. Here's the difference between Nassib and the others, as explained very well yesterday by Mike Mayock. Carl Nassib. He and I spoke yesterday a couple of times, 
spoke again today. We're going to meet later this afternoon. He requested a personal day today. He just said he's got a lot to process. There's a lot that's been going on the last few days. And, of course, we support that request. Uh, I've talked to several of the black players. Okay? I think we've reached out to a bunch of players, black and white. Um, everybody's got emotions and feelings. I've talked to some of the people in my department that are black. And, and my, my, I, my director of pro scouting. And I just said, DJ, I can't put myself in your shoes. Help me. Okay? So uh, we've spent a pretty good amount of time trying to, trying to help these guys and talk with these guys, not talk out at them, but with them. Um, and the other thing I would say is just uh, for Carl, it, it, let's be honest, he's a community of one that's openly gay, okay? Um, we do have a large community of African-American players, and, and we're, I'm trying to do, we're trying to do everything we can for that community as well, obviously. It started there. Okay, nobody's forgetting that. We're talking, and I'm trying to do to work with everyone, and we're going to continue to do that. As to Carl Nassib, I think there are two realities here that made his decision to stay away for now a prudent one. Number one, and and the, the great irony here, Chris, is that when Michael Sam came out before the 2014 draft, one of the backward-ass reasons for not wanting him on the team, as articulated by some, was distraction. Don't want to have all the other guys in the locker room having to answer questions all the time about Michael Sam. And we hear that distraction label used to justify not signing guys that a team doesn't want to do business with. Now, you got Carl Nassib, as a result of the distraction created by his coach in a position where whenever he walks through the doors again, he's going to be inundated with media no doubt. that want to talk to him about this. Right. So let's give him some time to figure out how he wants to deal with it. And maybe the passage of time takes some of the steam out of it. Yeah. And maybe it's not as zealous and aggressive as it would be. So I think that's smart. The other side of it, too, Chris, and this is something I think you and I talked about. Okay, so Gruden's out and Rich Passaccia is now the head coach who is tight with Gruden. And Basaccia is going to tell me all the things to my face that Gruden told me to my face. So if I now am dealing with the fact that I couldn't believe a damn thing Gruden was telling me about whether and to what extent he accepts me, why should I believe Basaccia or yeah. anybody else in this organization? Yeah. Who can I truly believe? Right. Who can I truly trust when, when you know Gruden, who has the well-earned reputation for being two-faced, the ultimate two-faced move, as it relates to anything and everything he said to Carl Nassib since Nassib came out. So if if I'm if I'm Nassib, I'm doubting everyone in the organization right now. Yeah, it's a and good, I need to good point. I need to, I need to have I need to have every single person start over again and rebuild trust with me. And even then I won't know after the Gruden emails. No, I mean you're right. You're you're not uh you know, all you can do is kind of take it for what it is. You gotta have a little faith and just you know, what you see in people. Now, I, you know, again, like they're, like Rich Masaccia, man, he's as stand-up as I've ever been around. So I'm just going to say that right off the bat. Like as stand-up as I've ever been around. The kind of guy where I'd be like, you know, you give me five coaches in football who I had to babysit my kids or like I had to trust to like me and my wife got to go. Like he'd be that guy. He's that guy. So 
not just because you work for a guy doesn't make you aligned with his personal thoughts. Hey, it's hard to get a job in the NFL. You know, you try to just, hey, the guy, yeah, we got a good working relationship and it stays to work and we talk work and everything, everything, you know, like that. Okay, it's good. But, you know, I think there's plenty of people in that organization and on that coaching staff that, you know, knew Gruden, knew what Gruden was to a degree. And they didn't like, they don't align with his thoughts, but they're not going to like ruin their careers and their lives over the fact that they know that guy in a private room might be a little psycho and say some things that are just stupid or harmful or mean to people. They know that, but that does not make them that either. You know, hey, right. my, so so there is, you got to be like, I, I know it's hard to say. It's easier said than done. And Carl Nassib, I, I would think those thoughts are very natural. There's no doubt about that. But I do think there was at least a lot of people in that organization were like, okay, Gruden's, you know, he's energetic. He knows a lot of football. He's smart, but he's a weird, crazy guy, right? And then listen, there was, it's not like there wasn't assistant coaches in Tampa Bay that were the same way. And, and so the, the, it, it's, it's work-life separation there, and let's not pin those coaches to, oh, because they worked with Gruden, they think like him. No, that's, that's, that's not true. And, and I'll stand on a table for Rich Versace all day long. Well, and and that's fine, but you're not Carl. I know, Nassib I, I know. It's easier point, said than done. I got where, it. I where got you're it. forced to go back I know. and question everything. Yes, I get it. Everything. I know. If, I know. Un unless unless he was able to sniff Gruden out on his own, I, and you know, and there's a chance that the people that interact with Gruden on a regular basis, some of them, even if they're in their twenties, even if they haven't been around a lot of different people in their lives, they they sense something different about Gruden. And they've always kind of had their doubts. I no wonder doubt. whether Carl right. Nassib. I remember we we showed the statement yesterday from Gruden that back in June when he when he made that statement about Carl Nassib, I thought there's just something weird about this. Maybe Carl Nassib already had kind of a vibe from Gruden, so maybe it'll be easier for him to pivot to somebody he didn't get that vibe from. But regardless, regardless, it makes sense for him to fully process this, 100%. to not be one of the ones who's dealing with the media, to let it die down a little bit, and then come back and get back to football. We get back to football after this. Is the Chiefs offense feeling too much pressure to compensate for an abysmal defense? We'll discuss that next on this Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. 
Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Do you feel like there's been more urgency than normal because of what's going on on the defensive side of the ball? Not, not, not at all. I mean, for us, like you said, I mean, we try to score every single time we touch the football. Um, that's how it's been my entire career here. That's how it was. That's that was kind of the precedent that was set before I even started here. Um, and, and that's kind of how I have my mindset going into every single game is that when we get an opportunity to go out there and, and have success and, and be successful, we have to we have to capitalize on that. And that has nothing to do with whatever is happening on the other side of the ball. It's just our job as an offense on this team. Patrick Mahomes speaking with reporters on Wednesday about the issues with the Chiefs defense, which is currently giving up on average 7.1 yards per play, which would be a record if it continues through the team's next 12 games. And, you know, I spoke to Mahomes after they beat the Eagles, and he addressed the importance of being patient on offense. The defenses are trying to take away the huge play, so they have to run the ball and they have to – you know, have a controlled passing game. And frankly, Chris, I see some overlap here in the motivation. I think it's important to take what the defense gives you and have sustained drives and to not try to have a 60-yard touchdown to cap every effort to get to the end zone. It's also giving your defense a break, too. Yeah, sure. It's giving your defense time to regroup. It's giving them time to rest. It's keeping them off the field. It's keeping them fresh for the fourth quarter. So that's all the more reason for the offense in Kansas City, even though it's got Patrick Mahomes, to become more deliberate and not try to get up and down the field like a basketball team running a fast break. Yeah, yes, a hundred percent. And you know, but but the thing is, Mike, they're they're kind of doing that. You know, they're not getting a lot of the big plays. They are, and I think that's what's concerning. I mean, you kind of look at their drive charts for a lot of games, and it's it is ten plays, eighty yards. You know, they just haven't been able to consistently do it time after time after time, which is what they need to do, unfortunately, right now with the way teams are playing them. But you know, the defense, there, there's just no the, there's no silver lining right now. There's nothing to say. I mean, the first thing is, Mike. They're just there's nobody that can make an individual play on the defense. There's nobody. Chris Jones is the only blue chip player they got. The one thing I've been saying at least for the last week or so is like let's put him back at defensive tackle. You know, I was all in favor of the defensive end move, but you know, he can be taken out of the game a little bit more at that position. He was way more disruptive at D tackle. I think they got to put him back there. You know, he's in the middle of the scrum there. Basically can can affect every play from that position. He's over here on this defense end. Teams can run away. You know, it's easier to find ways to to protect uh, to protect or slide protection that way. So I would say that's the first thing they got to do. But after that, Mike, everything's underwhelming. I mean, nobody can get pressure on the quarterback. The linebackers aren't playing that well. Nobody can cover that well. Honey Badger's not the same guy that he used to be. You know, we see Daniel Sorensen. He's letting up plays on a weekly basis. So there's issues across the board, let alone a lot of these guys are kind of new and young to the defense as well. When you really go through it, you go, man, they got some new linebackers. They got some new defensive linemen. Jerron Reed hasn't come through yet. You know, Mike Hughes is playing solid, but not great. DeAndre Baker, it's eh. 
I mean, and so they got nothing there right now to kind of build on. And I think that's the scary thing right now. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes can say whatever he wants that he doesn't feel the pressure, but there's pressure because right now it's like forget 30 every game. You're probably going to have to score high 30s, maybe 40 when you play good teams. And that's what's scary about, you know, the Chiefs and where they're at as a football team. How do you think this happened? I, you know, I, 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 I do think maybe the newness of some of the players, they're learning. Spagnolo's system is creative. They do a lot of different things. So I think they're not quite executing and being able to, you know, all get on the same page. Mike, there's so many plays that I watch on film where they're like talking still and the ball's being snapped. You know, little details are being messed up, certainly. And, of course, because they are the Kansas City Chiefs and they've been like kings of the NFL basically for the last three or four years, teams have really studied them on both sides of the ball. You know, even with them not having a top-notch defense, the last two years their defense has been a pain in the butt under Spagnola. Pain in the butt. And I think people have gotten used to like some of their disguises and some of the trickeration they have on that side of the ball, and, and that would be my assessment, Mike. It's I don't have a real answer for you, but hopefully that, that gave some insight there. I don't want to spin this too far ahead, yeah. but there is something to keep an eye on if the defense continues to be a liability, if they don't spend money well, if they don't complement Patrick Mahomes with the kinds of players that the contract he signed is aimed at allowing them to compile and to maintain – you're going to have a problem at some point with Patrick Mahomes. You're going to be in a Russell Wilson situation with Patrick Mahomes if worse. you don't keep a good team around. Yeah, it'd be worse. Yeah. You're going to you're going to have a guy, you're going to have a guy who even though he signed for 11 more years including this one, you're going to have a guy who gets unhappy because he's going to say, "Hey, you know what? I could have I could have pushed for 50 million a year or more. I had all the leverage I could could have had. He's more leverage then than he would have now if he was coming up for a contract, frankly. And I deliberately took less and you guys haven't held up your end of the bargain, so I hear you there. Um, that the, the, so it's uh, look, Chiefs fans. We're not trying to give you more reasons to panic, but we we all assumed the Chiefs were just going to be shortlist contenders indefinitely with Mahomes. But we're, we're we're finding out very loudly and clearly that it's a lot more than one guy. No, we we, we right. hear that all the time. Yeah, but it is a lot more than one guy. It, if your defense is yeah. complete and total crap, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. No, it, it doesn't. It's 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 hard. And you know, and to your point, Mike, like the Russell Wilson comparison and all that. I mean, I hear you there because there'll be more public pressure around this one. Blind people know Patrick Mahomes is the man, and he's amazing, and he's definitely one of the best players in football. But hey, also. He doesn't get like a total escape either. He he hasn't been playing his best either. I do think the situation has affected him a little bit. I do think last year and the fact that how he wasn't protected for the last 10 weeks of the year has affected him a little bit. You know, we've seen it kind of correct itself here as of late, but man, you know, not giving the first read and the, I, these are things I talk about on my podcast, not giving the first read the proper look. You know, oh, he's open. I don't know why you're on number two or number three. Of course, this play right here, you're watching the no-look pass. Not necessary. Leaving the pocket when you go, the pocket's perfect. Like, right there. Where were you going? Right? I mean, look at – if you could rewind that play right there, I'd love to show that one more time. There's just so much of this. Let it go. Yeah, that's okay. But pay attention to Mahomes here. Where's he going? It's perfection. Step up in the pocket. Throw a laser somewhere. There's – 
there's just a little too much of that from him too, so he's not helping the situation out. And, man, there's a lot of pressure on that offense. There really is. Mike, that's why I say, like, I don't have any hope for the defense to really correct itself a whole lot this year. They're going to have to win with offense. And you heard me say yesterday, like, Cleveland and OBJ and Baker Mayfield, that's over. I'd be looking for trade options going all in right now. Let's just let's just get more weapons on offense and just go all in on that right now. And I don't know what their salary cap situation is or they could figure it out, but I'd, I'd try to figure something out to get one more guy because it is too much just Tyreek and Kelsey too. It's just those two. McCole Hardman's good, but he's not your number two receiver. He's a guy you want to be like your number three or four gadget type receiver. And that that's hurt them as well. And that's probably why they signed um, Josh Gordon. But yeah, there's issues on the Chiefs right now. Like I'm, I'm not panicked, but I'm panicked if that makes any sense. Josh Gordon had one catch for 11 yards. Right, remember it? Sunday he was running to the right. He, he kind of threw it up in the middle of the field and he went up and got yeah. it. It's, it's going to take some time for him to get to where he needs to be. I'm yeah. fascinated by the prospect of... Odell Beckham Jr. becoming Kansas City Chief. I, it's the Cleveland thing is we're weird. not that we're, right. we're not that long away from the trade deadline, and, yeah. and I think yeah we've we've talked about this. I've written about it. I think the Browns should be looking for a suitor. I don't know that the Chiefs are the right one though, because as you said yesterday, you don't want to make a team in no. the conference right. better, a team that you're trying to show that you can beat. Right. Unless you think, unless you think, you know what? We know this guy well enough to know what he potentially can do from the inside whether he intends to do it or not just his mere presence can create issues as it did for the Browns let's go ahead let's let's treat it like a Trojan horse yeah here take Odell Beckham Jr. and maybe that helps the Browns beat the Chiefs in a roundabout way I'm speculating there but when you look at the fact that Beckham has not worked and if anything it's dragged down Baker Mayfield at times maybe there is an argument to be made that the Browns would look at trading him to the Chiefs well, and say, yeah. that may not be a bad thing for right. us. Well, I would say, listen, they would have won the game last week if Baker was looking at Odell. I mean, I, I showed a play on my podcast yesterday. I know the play. It's I know how to read it. I mean, he threw it was a third and one throw, and he threw it to Kareem Hunt out in the flat, and it's, it's Odell Beckham Jr. with 45 seconds left, and he's gone. It's a touchdown if he reads the play the right way. It is quarters coverage. It's an alert for this route. I know that offense enough. Here it is. It's hard to tell, but if you could back that up just again a little bit to show it, I mean, look, there's the safety there. He's worried about Njoku. You see the safety inside the zero about the 48-yard line, Mike, right? You see him. He squats on Njoku. 43 Davis stays outside, and he can't run with Odell Beckham Jr., and he's gone. It's game over if he just throws it and holds the ball. Baker Mayfield, for some reason, has no pressure and decides to just throw to the short guy. I know it's third and one, but, man, they gave an opportunity to win that game, and there was a few other other, other opportunities in the game where I go, I, I don't know. I know this play. I know the read, and Baker doesn't want to throw to the guy. I, I don't understand it. And I'm, I, I thought maybe they would find the chemistry. You know, okay, he got traded there. took a little time. Oh, we got injured. But, I, I mean, from what I've seen the last three games, I mean, Odell's open a lot. I, and he's the first read, and it doesn't go to him, and it's just weird to me. So I don't know what the hell's going on there. My theory is this. Educated guess based upon following this stuff every day for yeah, 20 years. right. I think some stuff went down between Mayfield and Beckham in 2019 that we don't know about. And 
the scars are still there. Yeah. That's what I think. Because hey, I don't think the yeah. I don't think those two were ever going to click. And I think in 2019, when Mayfield's trying to help that team ascend, and Freddie Kitchens is the head coach, and it's this constant narrative publicly. Yeah, right. We got to get him the ball. We got to get him the ball. I got to get the ball. And and Beckham, in his mind, thinks me getting the ball equals winning. So if I'm not getting the ball and we're not winning, we're not winning because I'm not getting the ball. And it just kind of became this thing. I we, look. There's plenty of stuff that teams manage to keep from the media and the fans. I would guess something happened between Beckham. I'm not saying they got into a fight or yeah, anything I got like that. You. Right. I'm just saying something snapped. There was a bridge that was crossed and blown up between the two guys, and I think they're having a hard time rebuilding it, which may mean they got to choose one or the other, and between the two, they're going to choose Baker Mayfield, I would assume. Yeah. Let's take a break. When you're done, pasta meatballs, I, I listen. I'm telling you, something's going on yeah. there. And what's going on this weekend in Cleveland? The Cardinals are bringing their 5-0 and record to town. Uh-oh. Will they suffer their first loss of the season? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Kyler was, you know, it was pretty fun to have him in the same quarterback room. Um, and that's obviously a tremendous player. Um, and for him to, you know, be patient while I took the extra year and uh, did my, my senior lap year. Um, and I don't know, it, it was just fun. We had a great room, great team. And uh, yeah, there was a high expectation for us. How much fun was the competitiveness between the two of them, you know, Yeah, um, I mean, him and I are very different personalities, but he's so, so extremely competitive. Um, he, he might show it a different way, but he's extremely competitive, and I think that's, you know, another reason why he's, he's at where he's at. Baker Mayfield talking about Kyler Murray. They were at Oklahoma together. They are reunited on Sunday. For the second time, they will face each other. This is the extra game, the 17th game. That's what caused the Cardinals-Browns to land back on the schedule just two years after they did. And Murray is 1-0 against Baker Mayfield. And, Chris, I, I I remember being at the Super Bowl in – where would we have been? It was Atlanta, I think it was, yeah. early 2019, the year that Kyler Murray made the rounds. And remember how it was kind of awkward with him and Dan Patrick about whether he's going to play baseball or football. And Kyler Murray came by. I think you were – on the sleep number mattress with Dak Prescott at the time, and he was giving you the side eye over suggesting that he should take less money. Kyler Murray and I had a conversation, and Kyler, and and look, ever since that moment, I've you know it's, he he's he's shy and he's reticent and he's cautious. And Baker Mayfield called him three or four times during the interview, and I think I think Baker kind of felt you know, responsible for him and knew that he was in a new experience and he was going to be overwhelmed. And and he kind of laughed about it. Baker's calling me again. Baker's calling me again. But I just think it shows that there's, you know, that kind of relationship there where Baker's kind of like the big brother that's taken him under his wing and was trying to help shepherd him through what would have been a stressful time for a guy who is very quiet and doesn't want to do a lot of talking and all of a sudden is thrust into an environment where he's expected to talk all day long. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear that. I could see that, certainly. I mean, that's kind of how 
you know, the pecking order, for lack of a better way to say it, works in, you know, football, the NFL. Hey, we were on the same team. You were the young guy. I was the old guy. Let me kind of show you, you know, how this works to a degree. And let me help you out when I can. Now, I, I doubt that's going on anymore, of course, because Kyler Murray, you know, he knows what he's doing. But, yeah, and then, hey, they, they had some special times together. I mean, come on. How amazing is that? I mean, those two in the same room, Heisman, Heisman? I mean, that, that's just amazing. It really is, that story. So uh, they, they, I'm sure they had a lot of laughs and a lot of good times together and learned a lot from each other and had probably a good time competing out in practice and seeing who could throw better lasers on out routes to C.D. Lamb and, and all the other great players they had there at Oklahoma. It was Heisman, Heisman. It was number one overall pick, number one overall Amazing. pick as well. And Amazing. they get together for the second time on Sunday. So as we play a game of what's more likely, what's more likely? Cardinals suffer their first loss of the season, or they beat the Browns in their own building by double digits. Ooh, well, I, I'm not going to go with. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know who I'm going to pick in this game yet, but I'm not going to go. I'll go Cardinals suffer first loss because I, I don't think they're going to beat the Browns by double digits in their own building. I don't think that. No, you know, and and hey, the Browns. Let's not forget, it's a very fast, talented defense. They got a lot of new pieces and parts, and they're trying to learn a defensive scheme too. But the thing they do is the Browns run the same defensive scheme the 49ers do from last week. So they're going to be able to look at that film a little bit and go, oh, wait, okay, that's what they did to slow them down and everything. So even if the Cardinals win, I, I'm, it's not double digits. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I, I think it's more likely the Cardinals lose because – we're doing the Mega Picks podcast later this morning, and I've already made my picks. And uh, uh, spoiler alert: I think it's time for the Cardinals to lose. I think the Browns are better than three and two, and they need this one. They can't afford to fall to three and three. Not in that conference in the AFC with all those great teams. All right, what's more likely: the Jaguars get their first win Ooh. since Week One of the 2020 season. They've Ooh. lost 20 games in a row, or Urban Meyer doesn't return with the team for reasons other than needing to clear his head. <laughs> yeah. He needs to spend some time with the grandkids again. Um, oh, man. This is a tough one. I mean, in, in full transparency to everybody out there, we don't see these until, at least I didn't see them until right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Urban Meyer gets fired after the game. I am. I'm going to go out on that limb and say that. I, I, you know, I don't know if that's really a limb. I think that's kind of a thought maybe in, in NFL circles, certainly. I think that rumor is out there. But I'm not going to just say they get their first win. I don't know about that. It's a possibility against the Dolphins who are reeling a little bit. We know that. But I'll go Urban Meyer gets fired after the game. And, and let me tell you, it's not just a thought in NFL circles. It's a thought in the Jaguars organization. So this just isn't like casual rumors yeah. and look at that train wreck no, over I there. Know. Hey, they're going to fire Ramar. People in the organization, as I said the other night, they're looking at two things. One, what happens if when the Jaguars fully fact check anything and everything Urban Meyer said to the owner last Monday? Two, what else is Urban Meyer going to do? Because it's been one thing after another and you wonder when the next thing is that gets ownership to say, okay, we're willing to admit that we made a mistake. I think it's more likely to get their first win because I got a weird feeling, baby. Oh, he's got a feeling. Go Pasta and meatballs cooking up. All right, I got so a feeling. You're taking the Jags in the, in the Mega Picks podcast I, later today. Damn. I very well may be. I'm, Tune in uh, later to find out. Yep. Damn. Okay. All right. That'll All be right. good. I, I hear you there. I do. 
Uh, but like I, you know, yeah, I've heard the same things you've heard. I, I'm sure uh, to a degree that that's a real possibility. So that's why I do lean my way a little bit more than the Jags getting their first win. All right, what's more likely, the Ravens dominate the Chargers start to finish or the Chargers pull off the road upset, which would mean that maybe the Ravens don't dominate until the end where they just happen to score enough points and steal a win like they have a couple of other times this year. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not going to get behind Ravens dominate Chargers from start to finish, no. I still got too many questions about the Ravens football team. You know, not again, I'm not saying I'm picking the Chargers to win this game, but... I don't think they're going to get dominated if they lose. You know, so out of these two options, I would go Chargers pull off the road upset over Ravens dominating. I, I mean, Chargers are just too good on the offensive side of the ball, and the Ravens, of course, are not great on the defensive side of the ball for me to think that the Ravens are just going to dominate them. I, I don't see that happening. Wasn't it the year that the Chargers went 12-4? and four? Yeah. They won every game on the road, and they were like 5-0, and oh at those 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoffs. Something now, like you got that. a lot of different guys right. and coaches now, but I'm not worried about the Chargers going cross-country and playing the early game, uh, but uh, there's just something about the Ravens. So I think it's more likely the Chargers pull off the road upset than the Ravens dominate because that's not the Ravens' M.O. It's not yeah. to dominate. Right. It's to hang around and hang around, and even if you're down 22-3 to in the third quarter, find a way to pull it off. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Derek Carr was one of the Raiders who spoke yesterday about the John Gruden situation. We'll let you hear what he had to say next on PFT Live. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. One, two, Three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. 